Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing all right, thanks. And Good. Yeah. How's the weather your way? It's beautiful out. I yeah. was able to walk the dog twice today. It's 79 degrees. So this is the weather we live for. There you go. Oh, That's how about you? Uh, it's sunny. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. Getting ready for the holidays. We're now officially in December, so now there's no avoiding it. Once you hit the big <laughs> 12-1, that's it. I was I was just telling somebody today, I said that, that your country does Thanksgiving a good way. Like, we were talking about this. You have a month off. So you get to like you know process your Thanksgiving, you get a month off, and then you do your Christmas. And I think that I think we should kind of start doing stuff that way. I've heard from a few Americans that like they get like way too much family all at once, and I kind of I get like that. you get to decompress, yeah, and your yeah. Thanksgiving, yeah, yeah. Like ours is early October. I think it's like the second Monday of October, and um, yeah, they. And then you basically have a whole bunch of time off between then and uh, Christmas. Mm -hmm. Although in my family, we have a bunch of birthdays in November, so I don't really get a break. But on paper, you get a break. So, <laughs> Depending on the birthday schema of your family. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess that would mean... What's your birthday? My birthday's in June. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I have that written somewhere. Probably. When's yours? April 8th. Okay coming on up well not too soon but soonish pretty soon it's only like what five months no it's four months away wow kind of sneaks up on you sometimes yep. people will be I'm like oh, it's... stubborn hmm? they'll be like it's your birthday in two weeks i'm like what really okay <laughs> um and i start getting used to the concept that like as you get older like your birthday you know isn't gonna be a national holiday yeah, when you're younger, you're like, okay, peons, like, bow before me and treat me like a Like, I shouldn't dog. have any homework. I should, yeah, you know. Yeah. This should be my day. I should be carried around the throne. Yeah. Yeah, and then you realize it's not quite the case. But, uh, but hey, as an adult, if you still feel that way, that's cool, too. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And really, there's, I mean, nothing terribly wrong with it, but I don't know. <laughs> Each his own, you know. But, uh, yeah, we're... You know, we're here to talk about Gilmore Girls, um, particularly the sixth episode of season five, which is Norman Mailer, I'm Pregnant, which not really a reference, aside from it being a line in the episode. Um, so, Seems so. like there's a, a trend that the next few episodes are quotes from the, the show, which they haven't really done before, have they? No, they tend to usually just do it as like, references to things and yeah sometimes they just kind of pull random quotes from episodes i want to imagine they probably were like what do we name this one i don't know just pull 
use this line or something like mm-hmm. you know covers the big reveals norman mailer's in the episode big cameo i guess the actual norman mailer yeah yeah and then uh the fact that suki's pregnant again so mm-hmm. um i was gonna make the joke because like i remember when uh jackson wanted to be town selectman he's like oh me and suki are trying to have another baby and then like a couple episodes oh, later she's right. pregnant so i was like wow he works fast <laughs> i totally didn't put that together you're so right he did mention that yeah um mm. but yeah this episode is written by james berg and stan zimmerman so none of the none of the paladinos um james berg only wrote two episodes both of them are in season five and uh stan uh also wrote two episodes although uh actually oddly enough they both wrote the same episode so they both oh. wrote this one and then the 17th episode of season five as well so oh so i guess they write well together i guess so okay um who sorry who, di- who directed the episode uh, Matthew Diamond directed the episode, and he's uh, done a couple, right? I think he's only done this one. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, doesn't list him as having directed right. uh, any other ones. So, huh. maybe it's possible, but at least the internet is telling me no. He he only. Yeah. Let's see, what? Oh, well, IMDb says that he's done six episodes. So, oh. He actually directed the episode Mm -hmm. where Luke listens to the audio tapes and realizes that he... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, But yeah, uh, kind of a lot going on in this episode. Uh, We kind of start with Rory being assigned a feature at uh, the Yale newspaper. she at first decides to cover illegal music downloading, which uh, it's funny because the show is pretty timeless. But I feel like <laughs> listening to that, I'm like, oh, that's definitely because right. nowadays back, people just right. listen to like Spotify or whatever. Like, right? You know, I don't know. Back then was Napster, LimeWire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm sure some people still download music illegally, but I don't think it's as common now because now it's easier for people to like <laughs> just open up Spotify. So I thought that right. was kind of funny i'm like oh, okay that's kind of dates how much has changed yeah because now we're now it's filming in what 2005 at this point 2004 i think they were filming yeah okay but still like yeah that would have been the heyday i think of it like there was a lot of people back then that were doing that kind of stuff so and there were some services back then like um there's groove shark and i think that's defunct now and there were some that were yeah. available like but um but i think spotify has been around a while too right yeah i think uh, so spotify. it was nowhere near when it was like now with like apple music and yeah i remember like i started using spotify around like 2014 so mm-hmm. so you're like an early adopter kind of yeah 2014 2015 i think i want to say mm-hmm. and yeah pandora was one of them back then too yeah or pandora mm-hmm. i don't know if that pandora's still around I doubt it. Probably not. But um, I liked how everyone kind of made fun of Rory for, like, choosing a very dull topic. Like, Paris makes fun of her for it. And then... um, Well, Paris did, I think, just to because she was jealous. I kind of took it as her kind of mildly mocking her. Like, she said it in a way that was, like, 
very neutral in tone, but the way I kind of read it was like her be, being kind of passive aggressive. <laughs> being like, well, yeah, she was know. mad that Doyle didn't give her the the feature that she wanted. Oh, right? maybe it, that's what it was. I totally forgot about that. I thought she wanted the religious be... thing. Yeah, maybe. where she was started harassing the religious, the clergy members. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, she kind of looks into that, and then, um, you know, during the, her studies of this, she f goes into a bathroom and sees a woman in a grill mask, who she later stumbles out, and, uh, Rory follows her, and she's kind of, kind of curious, like, kind of, it sparks her interest, and she starts to look into it which we get a little bit more of in the next episode, but at least this kind of gives a little bit of that impetus of like, hey, you know, this is something for her to follow. I guess we do also get a little bit more of uh, Logan in this episode, which, uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Logan so far? I do not like Logan. No. Uh, I think that, yeah, I, he did the thing with the, where he's faking like he's at the newspaper, right? So, yeah. uh, and Doyle says like his dad is, um, well, his grandfather was what Elias Huntsberger, and then and he was part of this. It's supposed to be a takeoff, like on the Skull and Bone Society at, at yeah. Yale, um, and um, and so the dad, I guess, is a big newspaperman. I think the dad eventually shows up yes. on an episode or a few, and the dad is played by the same actor that if you watch Scandal, he played um, the senator from Texas. Okay. So if you see him, you'll know who he is. Um, he's a pretty good actor, but anyways. So the deal is, is that he runs this big newspaper conglomerate, and so um, Doyle says that that basically Logan gets like free reign in the place where he can do whatever he wants. The dad just wants to make sure he's there or something. Yeah. And he kind of plays it up that he's just not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, like he purposely he says like, I don't want anything. Like I'm just here for the photo or something like that. Right, right, right. He's really obnoxious, and so you can see that he's entitled. And, mm -hmm. and we'll see in the next episode. Um, yeah, apparently he's got a thing for Rory. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't... Oh, and then he's, then he's smooching on some girl when he shows up at the newspaper. And so Rory's like, yay, he sounds like a real stable character. Let me be interested in him. Yeah. And then he does this thing, like, I'll tell you about the society, but you have to agree to it first. Bef you know, you have to agree to it first before I tell you the conditions. I'm like, why would someone do that? Why would yeah. you agree to something before you know the conditions of it? That gets a little into like the next episode, but yeah, like he doesn't yeah. definitely seems to be very controlling in that sense. Um, He's used to getting what he wants, it seems like. Yeah, and of course Rory's like, "Hey, dysfunction, I'm there." <laughs> so to step up from Dean, right? Ha huh, ha. Huh. And then Dean, it turns out Doozies is what Doozies is turning into like a Doozies. Doozies is a Dozy. Dozy. He's turning into like a twenty-four hour place and. Oh yeah. So Rory can't get together with their schedules and yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, um, Suki's asked to drop lunch because someone tells them that like financially they're bleeding money at lunch. Which I mean, they showed us like the lunchtime and like nobody's there except for the guy. Nobody's who's there. And I'm like, right. I'm like, I know Suki's pregnant. They kind of explained that's why she's so cranky, but like really nobody's there like just just take a break from lunch i thought that was obnoxious yeah. yes and i and they, Laura, like, like the... points out like we're supposed to be partners in this 
Yeah. And then she says that the accountant, I'm assuming that was an accountant telling him they weren't breaking even. Yeah. Um, that she's like, the accountant doesn't like me. And she says it right in front of the accountant. The accountant's like, I like her, but the accountant got kind of nervous. Yeah. And I'm like, Sookie was just being a, kind of a monster. And then yeah. brought, uh, and then had Kirk go over to Luke. To Luke. Yeah. Which is really obnoxious. <laughs> so. Yeah. But Sookie had a, had a tantrum and she's kind of getting in Norman Mailer's face. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I just, like, I get that, like, the show likes to paint it like, oh, she's a great chef, which, but, like, it's to the point where it's just getting obnoxious because, yeah, it's like, even if you are a great chef, you could look out and see nobody's eating the food. Like, what's the point? Like, it just was not even borderline, just completely nonsensical that she wouldn't just agree to do that, but. Right. I guess it was and a big... And this is she's not pregnant, too. I mean, she's done some stuff where she's pulled kind of rank yeah. on being a co-owner and has, has behaved in a way that was not in their best interest as a business. Yeah. So. Um, Lorelai goes to help Christopher. The return of Christopher. We missed him. Missed him so sure. much. You know, mm-hmm. they bring Dean back. They bring Christopher back. Hey, maybe Sherry's they'll bring... Town. Maybe they'll bring back mm-hmm. Max Medina, oh. just all these other characters we don't like. You already um, told me they didn't, so I'm banking I, um, on that. I hope I, I'm not yeah, wrong. Okay. This is true. Yeah, they don't br- they don't bring them back. Okay. But I was just thought Thank I'd you. make a joke because yeah, they just bring it back all the characters we don't like. Um, right. And uh, yeah, Lorelai goes to help Christopher. Rory finds out and like straight up goes to Christopher and tells him not to contact Lorelai, which I thought was really Impressive. interesting. Yeah, I did not expect that. I thought she was going to come by and say hi, but no, she's like, leave her alone. You've messed with things already. Yeah. And he and Christopher admits to her, to Lorelai, you know, I know I don't really contact you guys except when I need something. I'm like, well, at least you're owning it. Yeah. It's also a thing, too, where uh, I think, I think like this season, there's a lot to do with like Christopher's relationship with Rory and what that looks like. And. Mm-hmm. You can tell that, like, you know, Rory gets pretty authoritative with him. Like, even though he is the father and he tries to point that out, she kind of puts him in his place and says no. Like, But I was thinking of, in, like, last season, Rory and Lorelai were kind of talking about how, you know, he's just not present and that's the way it is. Like, yeah. they've just kind of accepted that he's kind of a periphery character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of how she's talking to him. Like, you know, don't just show up and waltz in here and need help. Yeah. And then just, you know, let it go. You can't do that to her. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think it's good that Rory did that. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, she she is able to see past the title that he has as father. And it's important, I think, to note right. that, like, oftentimes people will feel like they have to respect a, a father figure or parental figure or whatever. And... I think the reality is, is like if somebody's not deserving respect, you don't, you don't owe them respect just because of their title. Like, people still need to earn. Yeah, and I think it's like we're doing. Like he doesn't, he hasn't earned her respect, and she points that out. So right now, granted, it's it's really up to Lorelai to decide if she wants contact with him. Yeah, Um, it's really not Rory, but still, Rory was like, let let my preferences be known. So good for her that she was willing to do that. And it was not a nice visit. It wasn't like a, hey, let's sit down and chat. No, by the way, it was like a open the door. She's just like, nope, don't yeah. mess with her. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, you can tell it threw Christopher off a little bit because he's not used to that version of Rory. But Rory's, you know, had some more responsibilities. Yeah. Since the last time you saw Christopher, and she's kind of coming into her own as far as taking charge of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, not a whole lot going on in this episode, but um, kind of like an in-transition episode. Like, it kind of reintroduces Christopher. We kind of get a little bit more information on Logan, etc. But uh, it's really kind of an episode for setting things up more than anything else. Um, we actually yeah, this do... bleeds really well in the next episode. Hmm? We have an email from someone uh, called named Becky. Oh. Uh, and Becky says, finally, the redemption of Glenn. He's whined all the last two seasons or so. And finally, he got published in the New York Times. Thank God he can stop complaining finally. Yeah. It's a good interchange, too. That Doyle's, like, really mad. And he's like, well, I, you know, it's going to, I forget what he compared it to. He's like, I'm I'm the guy that edited it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wind up doing nothing with my life. And here he yeah. is in New York Times. And I mean, I was kind of happy to see Glenn win one. Yeah. And reality is that sometimes happens. Like there are people who are maybe not on paper as qualified as somebody else. They sometimes just get a break. It happens. So I like right. that the show didn't just make Glenn a complete whipping boy. Yeah. You got, you got no, yeah, he did. I thought that was a nice, yeah. Nice arc. Sort of arc. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, who is your favorite and least favorite performance in this episode? My worst, I have a long list. <laughs> Basically all the characters we hate. So uh Dean, Logan, Doyle, and Christopher. I don't know if you I don't I think we're neutral on Doyle, right? And I think we might be I'm kinda anti Logan, but I don't I don't know. I, but I, like I didn't Doyle. like Doyle. The actor that mm -hmm. plays Doyle is a pretty like well regarded actor. He is in a bunch of stuff besides Gilmore Girls. Um I think it's a character. Because he's he's really he really crosses the line into obnoxious and bullying. So it's not the actor, I don't think, for me. I think but... I think with him too, like he comes across as somebody who uh, likes to lead. I don't know if he necessarily has the skills to back it up, but he likes to be in charge. Mm. Excellent point. Yeah, he likes being in charge, but you know needs some management training. Yeah. Like uh, he manages through bullying and pitting people against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Best performance, I came up with no one. <laughs> Nothing that stood out to me. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, let's see. Favorite performance in this episode, I'll say Rory. I actually <laughs> thought like her moment with Christopher was really interesting. And it was kind of interesting to see her kind of like an, be a little bit of a journalist. Like we haven't seen her be that much of a journalist. Like she critiqued <laughs> that dancer or whatever and other stuff but like this was her being a right. journalist this is what she's wanted to be and i i thought they played that well even though if i'm being completely honest i didn't think she was not great of a journalist but whatever like she wasn't really i mean was she actually yeah i mean that was that was the part i'm like what journaling are you doing not journaling i actually have reporting. a degree in telecom <laughs> it felt but, like she yeah was... like what reporting are you doing yeah yeah i don't know like it, the I, I, part of me who you know does some kind of like journal form of journalism with the podcast and all this stuff I was like I think she's doing a lot of things wrong here but it, I did think that at least the performance of Alexis Bedell was pretty good so mm -hmm. um, well I, it kind of makes sense with the her her tenacity um, and wanting to be a journalist that when Logan says you have to agree to it and then you learn the conditions I could definitely see her saying okay 
because yeah. she wants the scoop and she's she's ready to take it on. So I could see her kind of agreeing to that without knowing the conditions. Yeah. Which also is kind of uh, not probably in her best interest, but... And least favorite performance. And I only say this, and it's a, probably a bit of a spoiler, but this is a bit of the downfall of Dean. But Dean was just... Really? Like, yeah. We're going to... That's right. I sound too happy. Yeah, uh, Dean. I don't want to spoil it too much, but yeah. I, Dean's Dean's not much longer on the show. I think shortly after this, he goes on Supernatural. So, Supernatural. yeah. Okay. We don't get too much more of Dean. But man, does he start going out on a low note because... He's such has such great lines as when Rory says they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, and Dean says, "Yeah, they also say that about sex." Just right, fantastic lines. Way to go, Dean. Just, just really selling us on. And now he's working three jobs, right? So we don't know what his other jobs are, but yeah, but we know he's working the the cheese thing and the hot dog thing and the yeah, because now. Josie's is becoming a 24-hour place, and he's wearing a cowboy hat. It's it, it's kind of funny, though, because, like, uh, it kind of, like, the last time they broke up when she was starting to be with um, Jess, like, she was starting to kind of ignore him and, like, ignore her, his voicemails and other stuff, and she's kind of doing the same thing again. Yeah. Like, she's kind of got other things, and he just falls by the wayside, so. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting that like there's that repeat of that cycle with her again and, and him. So you're so right. Yeah, that line of oh the heart, absence makes the heart grow fonder and yeah, so does sex. It's just awful. I I that line was terrible. I was like, oh my gosh, Dean, please stop. You're you're killing me here. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? So this one's, I guess, is kind of obscure, but it's uh, when Lorelai's talking about Nora Mailer being there and saying, "Well, we'll have to keep Gorbachev on the other side of the room." So oh. that that refers to uh, there actually there's on YouTube the Dick Cavett. So Dick Cavett was a was a talk show host, like the talk show host mm-hmm. in the seventies. I think maybe in the eighties. So there's a video of him that Nora Mailer, Mailer showed up drunk to the Dick Cavett show and basically gets into it with Gore Vidal. Um, and, and supposedly he also, Nora Mailer punched Gore Vidal. So you can see the interview. And there's also an additional interview of Dick Cavett um, talking about why Nora Mailer was such a difficult guest. Hmm. So, um, so those are both really good. So let me, um, oops, I just closed my app. Um, so it's... Uh, so the Dick Cavett shows the channel on YouTube, and you, there's also a lot of great videos of, of him interviewing people. Like there's a great interview with Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. um, and Mickey Mantle, and like really cool stuff. And he was he was like the interviewer, um, and uh, so I I kind of like that quote because it kind of alluded to this thing that just like not it's not something that like everybody would catch on to. And I and that I what I read is that that Norman Mailer actually really liked the show because it it was kind of ironic and kind of got into literary stuff. And the, the guy interviewing him is his son his, in real life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And Nora Mailer died in about in 2007. So this was what, a few years before he died. So, yeah. and, and, uh, so there's also the quote, uh, this is our first step on the road to being a salon. And basically that's like a literary salon where all the big writers are coming. So now they've got Nora Mailer. So, so she's like, okay, now I'm ready to have like all the writers show up. You know? Yeah. I just thought that was so hopeful of her. Like, cause you could actually believe that she wants to do that. I thought that was kind of sweet. She's like, we're on our way. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess like for reference, like Norman Mailer is a pretty. I mean, it's a reference, but it's a pretty. Like, I guess you could say classified as a reference, even though it's more of a cameo. But I mean, he had eleven best-selling books and at least one in the seven decades after World War Two. Yeah. So uh, he's pretty prolific, and the Naked and the Dead is the one he's really known for. Although, and, um, and also a, combat in World War Two. A bit of oh, problematic too, because wasn't he? Didn't he like assault his wife or something? And I was getting to that. Yeah, he stabbed one of his wives. They came home from a party, or they're at a party, and he stabbed her and almost killed her. Um, and uh, and so yeah, he had assault charge. I think it was. I think the charges were dropped down a lower charge of assault mm. instead of attempted murder. Um, but yeah, and and one of the one of the quotes too that I wanted to point out is that Doyle, who you would think would have a pretty good grasp on on language because you know he's the head of the newspaper, he says. I could care less. And the actual phrase is I couldn't care less because if you could care less, it means you would care less. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, I couldn't care less. I just thought that was funny that Doyle says that and he's supposed to be like this paragon of, you know, how words work. <laughs> he says the wrong phrase. So it's, I couldn't care less. So anyways, that's one of the quotes too. Yeah. I don't know. Part of me, like, was like when he was there, I'm like, oh, I just kind of know him mostly as the guy that stabbed his wife. And I was like, him on but oh, that's interesting that you know that part because that part i wasn't as aware of oh i knew about his novels so so i wonder if that's kind of being talked about more now which is cool so that that's being addressed and you know, there are also some issues with him um you know there there were articles about his misogyny and his writing and stuff so um yeah a pretty interesting character yeah but you can watch it with him and gore vidal like i don't know i'm like maybe you could have gone like stephen king or somebody who's not as problematic but I just don't and see Stephen King. If you're, follow Stephen King on on Twitter because he's great. He has Molly, the dog of evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just like oh, I mean, it's interesting that they have an author on the show. But I was like, we could have done better than than. Well, and the reason behind that too is that um, that Amy um, Sherman Palladino wanted him on the show, and it turns out that one of the writers or directors was friends with the son. And oh. so he talked to the son, and the son's like, sure. And the, and and Nora Mailer's main said that Nora Mailer's main reason for being on the show was that he could spend some time with his son doing work stuff. Okay. So that's how. And the, and then he wound up liking the show because he said he didn't like the sitcoms that kind of like wrapped everything up in thirty minutes. That he liked that they kind of you know that Gilmore Girls is kind of a, a smart show, and he really yeah. liked that part of it. So yeah. So that's actually Nora Mailer. Yep. So. Yeah, a bit of a problematic individual, but, uh, eh, you know, uh, interesting to have him on. Again, it's nice that, you know, they reference so many people and things in the show, but to have, like, someone like him on, I thought was kind of an interesting diversion. That was just out of left field, but it makes sense when you find out what the connection was between him and the son and the... A hundred percent, yeah. Writer. I think it was one of the writers of this episode that they were friends or something. Okay. So I guess Amy Sherman Palladino was like, uh, we couldn't really believe that we pulled that off. So. Yeah. Um, apparently his son played uh, the journalist interviewing him. Yeah, I just said that and you were like, yeah, uh huh? Oh. Sorry. That was. That's interesting. Though. Well, and you're out on that, but I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> I was I was trying to it's like I saw that and I was like you're oh. like oh okay <laughs> it's been a long day as you could probably it's tell. been a long day for you too <laughs> yeah um yeah 
Uh, I was trying to think. Oh, quotes. You got to be double impressed, so that's super awesome. Yay. Sorry? <laughs> so you got to be double impressed by that, so that's there, good. Yeah, impressed twice. <laughs> um, Yeah, favorite quote. I mean, I'm only going to put it because it's so awful, and I laugh at it every time I think about it, but when Dean says, uh, sex can do that also. Like, it's just awful. Mm-hmm. But, right. That's Dean for you. That's Dean trying to be suave, right? Yeah. You know what? We don't have much longer to deal with Dean and then he's out. Which is interesting because I've had some Did people... Did we ever see again? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I think this is largely it and then he does come back in the revival. But he's not with Lindsay, I'm guessing. No. No. Okay. Um, yeah, behind the scenes trivia. Well... You've, we've, you've heard it twice that Norman Mailer's son for <laughs> the journalist. Do it one more time. Mm-hmm. Just in case uh, you were really unsure. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, the Life and Death Brigade that they mention is based off the Skull and Bones very loosely, but which is actually, actually a secret society in Yale. Um, yeah. Uh, Dean, in this episode, wears a comically large cowboy hat and Jared Padalecki is from Texas. So ah, there you go. Little in reference. So is from Texas. the guy that plays Zach too. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, less said about Zach, the better, but Zach, Zach just seems like the kind of guy that would get me to, I mean, probably same with Dean. We're, yeah. We're going to be kind of stuck with Zach for a while. Aren't we? I just have this feeling we're going to be stuck with Zach. Yeah. Dean's, Dean's on his way out because we can only have too many toxic males on the show. So Dean's got to make even it out. Okay. Yeah. And really, Zach can run because uh, Dean walked. Is that how the thing goes? <laughs> or Dean walked so Zach could run. Like, <laughs> you know, we have one, one toxic male and really just set the stage for more in the future. Right. Um, yeah, any mental health observations aside from how toxic uh, Christopher was being in this episode, which I'm sure. Well, I think that, well, that's what I was going to bring up is that uh, I see where Lorelai wants to help, but at the same time, I think a lot of times she helps until it hurts her. Yes. Uh, And there's a little bit of codependence that goes on there, but, and Rory, Rory was sticking up for her, but also it's, it's Lorelai's thing to fight. But I also kind of admire Rory for saying something. But also it might be that Rory kind of feels like she needs to take care of Lorelai a little bit. Because she knows that Lorelai is prone to getting hurt. Yeah. And and the fact that Lorelai just runs right over. Now, granted, it's his kid. So maybe Lorelai was looking at more like this is about his kid, not about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we see that sometimes she gets into situations where, you know, it's really not in her best interest. Yeah. And he admits that he doesn't really contact them unless it's... So he's telling her who he is. He's saying, you know, I know I only contact you guys when, you know, I'm having a problem. And she knows that and she continues to help him. So there's some enabling going on there. But again, it might be because of the kid and she's like, you know, the kid's innocent in this and I'm going to help out with that. My impression too is that like Lorelai seems very infatuated with the idea of being with her daughters. Yeah. Uh, hot like that father. heals that rift right yeah. yeah and 
I think there's moments where you can see it switches between that and her realizing that he's not a good influence in her and Rory's life. You can see kind of where it switches into she realizes who he is at some point. Yes. Like you can actually see like the change on her face where she's like, oh yes, he's he's been who he is all along, no matter how much I want to look at the potential. I think that's part of it. Is that she looks at his potential. Yes. And um, I think like... You see that a lot in like abusive relationships where people consistently will kind of look at more like the positive aspects of somebody or the potential that they have rather than acknowledging that, yeah, they have uh, some issues. Uh, because abusive relationships aren't abusive 100% of the time. I think that's why it gets so confusing. And when, when things are going well, you get the oxytocin, you know, that's the cuddling hormone. And you get dopamine. And then when things are bad, you get cortisol, which is a stress-producing hormone. And adrenaline, which is a fight, flight, or freeze response. And so your your brain gets kind of hooked on that flipping from adrenaline and cortisol into cortis or uh, into um, oxytocin and dopamine. So you keep going around that circle. So so ending a relationship like that is almost kind of like a drug withdrawal because yeah. your brain's kind of conditioned into that. Um, and mm -hmm. and you know that's where we get kind of the Stockholm syndrome thing from is that sometimes um, you can start identifying or you know, making excuses for the abuser. Yes. Um, and and you see that, that Lorelai, not so much in this episode, but in the past, she's kind of kind of rationalized, you know, what Christopher is doing. And yeah, I think you're on, I think you're onto something that she wants that fantasy of the reuniting with her child's father thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Part of me too thinks that it is a little, problematic that rory can intervene on her mother's behalf but i think she also knew that like if she went to lorelei it would have probably created an argument and lorelei probably wouldn't have seen things from rory's perspective but now it's been triangulated so now there's triangulation meaning like you're getting somebody else in the middle so now you've got rory involved with dad slash christopher with lorelei so now yeah. you've got a thing where where she's you know, yeah, it's problematic, but at the same time, you can kind of see where she's coming from because they also are each other's champions. But I think sometimes Rory gets into that parent role sometimes. Yeah, like it's weird because I don't feel like it's 100% a great idea. But at the same time, too, I think for Rory, it's probably the best way to address that issue at the time. It might have given her some closure, too, over just the fact that, you know, here's a guy that there's nothing wrong with his dialing finger. You know, he could yeah. call his daughter anytime, but here he's only doing it when he needs help. And says that to Lorelai. So, yeah. you know, and Rory catches on. She knows, I mean, th again, this has been something that's been discussed between them before, that he's who he is, and he just kind of shows up when it's convenient for him. Yeah. Um, and and Rory kind of just addresses that. Yeah. Because there's really no reason why he hasn't contacted. Because he, he's in town. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't even thinking, too, like, yeah, I get you get kind of, like, left in a bind, but, like, we've kind of addressed that, like, he has a high-paying job. Why does he not just pay for a nanny, you know? Like, right. It, they, Unless that job... He's been weird about the job, though, right? Remember, he was kind of, like, had a job and he didn't, and then... Yeah. So maybe he doesn't have a job anymore. He mm. didn't allude to having one, did he? <sighs> I don't... He did I mean, it I, when he was with Jerry. Yeah. Hmm? I assume he does, but yeah, I, I, he doesn't mention a job. Like he doesn't mention how the job's going or anything. But I assume he's still mm -hmm. working there. Like I didn't get anything to the contrary. But mm -hmm. and I love how Lorelai was just turning the the simple thing she did. She just turned the crib around. So she 
she wouldn't get out. Yeah. I really love that, that she's just like, she's been through this before, so she just came up, turned the crib around, she's like, there. Well, done. it's also kind of showing that, like, Christopher gets so exacerbated and frustrated that he doesn't, like, just see the logical thing to do. He needs a fixer. Yeah. He likes having a fixer. He likes somebody else. That's my impression. Is he likes somebody else making the decisions for him. And now that, you know, and my guess is that whenever he's in a relationship, he expects the other person to run things. And so Sherry might have gotten tired of that. But you see, like, when Sherry's not there, he falls apart. Because my guess is she was kind of running both their lives for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's time to rate this episode. What would you give this episode a score of? a seven it was pretty good okay. i mean it's again it's kind of more on the filler side but what do you think i give it a six uh yeah there's not much going on i i do find it a little problematic that they kind of prop up norman mailer like i get it was convenient for them but it just seemed like a really odd choice like i don't know just eh, i i had some issues with it and you know what like i get it they were he was convenient to have on but i'm like i could have he didn't add anything to this episode, like aside from just being some coop that loved iced tea. Um, I I think it showed too that the dragonfly is kind of coming into its own and it's getting yeah. some attention from some well-known people. So I could kind of see that secondary part. But yeah, it was part of the plot that he wasn't eating lunch. But yeah, I yeah. think it was a big get for Amy Sherman Palladino. So she's like, let's just go with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it he was on there a little too much. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think what if the scene would have been fine. It would have been actually kind of funny in retrospect that they had like talked to him and you think it's just a simple um, reference like they always make and then you actually show him and you realize like, oh, they're, they're right. not a reference. Like he's actually here there. Um, but yeah, they kind of played him a little too much. But I do And I was hoping they would call Jess and Jess would show up and, and like meet him because, you know, I'm sure he's read his book. So. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but there was like the moment i really like in this episode and it's just the one moment which is uh rory standing up to christopher i really like that i think it's got to be one yeah. of the more satisfying moments of the show to see rory stand up to christopher uh it's just a really powerful moment it. yeah mm -hmm. you don't expect it yeah exactly so i i don't know i'm conflicted because like everything else about this episode was either not necessarily not necessary or just downright toxic i'm thinking of like norman mailer or like even that line with Dean, it's it's just an awful line. I, I really don't like it. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's I, kind of par for the course with Dean, right? Yes. But I do really <laughs> like that moment with with Rory and Christopher. I think it's one of the, my favorite moments of the show, which is kind of like Rory just kind of standing up for uh, Lorelai and a little bit for herself too, in a little in a subtle way. But right. Um, I I do really you... like that. So I give it like a six out of ten. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not the greatest, but I think you watch it at that very least for Rory standing up to Christopher. So that was pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like no matter what you think of this episode, you sit up and pay attention when that scene comes on because you're just like, wow, mm -hmm. okay, this is a daughter yeah. like standing yep. up to her father, and that's kind of powerful. And you're right, Alexis Bledel did re do really well with that scene. Yeah, she's not usually she was very a, matter of fact. She's not usually mm -hmm. a great performer in this and i don't say that to mean that she's not a great performer in general i think it's just because like it was one of her first acting jobs so she was still kind it of was her it still. was her first acting job yeah, yeah. So. ever but um yeah i give i give it like a solid yeah six out of ten again not the greatest but 
you still have to watch it for that scene, if anything else. Cool. Is this the episode two where the where the secret society doesn't use the letter E when they're talking? That's the next episode. Or is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm well. Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com. Gaslighting is her book, and Talk Your Brains is her other podcast. And I'm over at threeingreeners.com, where almost every other day we've got new content going up. And with that said, we'll see you all next time. Bye for now.